God is stronger, he's higher, he's more powerful. And then the response to that is our God reigns. Uh, Cliff, could you help me just for a second? He doesn't know this, but I'd like to spend just a couple of minutes, if two or three people would share, um, and Cliff will run around with the microphone, just, just give God praise for what he's done this past week. It might have been a horrible week, but you still want to praise him. It might have been a wonderful week, but we just sing some incredible songs, how God is always there to help us and provide for us and take, and, and take care of us. So I'd like to hear just a few of you share how God has done that this past week. Just raise your hand, Cliff will come. Just uh, two or three people would be great. Um, I, God gave me a great opportunity to just spend time in ministers with some teens from around the community this week, and that's a, something that I often take for granted, so praise God for that. We'll keep you running here, Cliff. No, I just want to praise God. We had a great time as a small group on um, uh, Friday night, uh, just celebrating Tanya's victory of moving through uh, chemo and moving on. And, and just uh, it's great to be supported by such a, a great family of God and then also especially in the small group setting there too where we can cry for each other and, and celebrate together. And um, it's so easy sometimes for us to, or maybe more natural for us to, gather around someone and pray for them and because the concern is so deep and it, that just seems to come a little more naturally but to actually do the same thing uh, in celebrate, celebration for what God has done and what he is doing um, it's weird how that sometimes we want to celebrate but it's harder to do that sometimes and, and that the small group took that time to sit down and, and just lay hands on Tanya again and just celebrate what God has done and, and just uh, we serve an awesome God who is sovereign in the midst of uh, whoever, whatever is going on in our lives. But um, sometimes I, I think this is good, Chuck, to be able to take time and, and yeah. celebrate yeah. and focus on what God is doing among us. Good. Amen. Showers of blessings. Anyone else? As I said during our Sunday school hour, we should be able to do this all day, right? I mean, we should, we should have a line of people waiting to share God's faithfulness. He'll come around. He'll come around with the microphone. That way we can all hear. Believe, I believe that we are all blessed with safe traveling mercies due to the fact that we're all here today. Amen. Um, this morning, our, uh, I woke up uh, to milk, and the fire trucks were at our neighbors, and I ran, of course, went over to investigate. And their one-year-old had woken them at 2.30 in the morning, and uh, here they're, they had a fire in their attic and, of course, didn't even realize that the smoke detectors hadn't gone off yet. And uh, we're fairly lucky, and Kim just said that uh, an angel woke that one-year-old. And, you know, we could think it was just luck or whatnot, but uh, I choose to believe that 
that God did that. And there, there was no, I mean, they put it out. The wood was smoldering, and it was just smoking, but, you know, there was no, no fire, so. Okay. Anybody else? Thank you, Cliff. You know, we just, we just sang, well, we sang my favorite song, Another World. And I've told Claudia that I want that song at my funeral, Our God Reigns. Um, because what that song means is no matter what's going on, he's still on the throne. Right? I mean, God is still God. He's still in charge. He's still in control. And that brings us comfort through the good times and through the bad. So thank you for, uh, for sharing that with me. Let's pray. Thank you, God, this morning that we could just worship you in song and enjoy each other's company and presence. And, and God, what, whatever you have to teach this morning, I pray that we would be open. I pray that you would um, help me to, to walk closer to you. Help me to spend time just praising you and thanking you for what you've done and, and to balance that with all the things that I ask you to do. And I, just, I thank you for your faithfulness, and I pray we would sense that this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So here's what I'd like you to do uh, before we get into today's talk. I'd like you to, um, this week, to text, call, Facebook, message, Instagram, however creative you want to be, Snapchat, whatever you want to use, and ask one another or ask somebody this question. What is God doing in your life this week? All right? And just, just ask them, what is God doing in your life this week? And it gives the other person an opportunity to share, well, here's what he's doing. Because he's doing something, whether it's a horrible week or a great week, right? I mean, God is still at work. That's what we believe. And so um, just however context, whatever medium you want to use, not mediums. We don't want to do that. Sorry. It's a little joke there. Uh, Whatever context, how about that, that you would like to do that, I would encourage us all to be, to be contacting one another and say, how is God working in your life this week? Thank you. Okay, so Habakkuk, uh, if you want to open up there in your Bibles, it's in the Old Testament. If you have a pew Bible, the table of contents, and you'll see it Old Testament, New Testament, it's in the Old, and it's surrounded by a bunch of other people that we're not sure, you know, what their names, name, how to pronounce it, spell it. Um, you'll see Habakkuk, and turn to that, to, that, to that book, that'd be great. And of course, if you're using an iPhone, I'm, I'm assuming that's because you're following along, right? Or you're texting great things on Facebook, right? What God is doing. Okay, that's good. Um, <clears throat> so, a book of Habakkuk. You know, have you ever noticed that when, when people are going through crisis, that we say dumb things to them? <laughs> Especially if, if somebody dies, you know, we don't know what to say, so, so we say things like, um, they're in a much better place, you know, or they wouldn't want you to cry, and after a few days, we might say, or weeks, we might say, you know, you got to figure out how to move forward, um, or, you know, or may, and maybe you've had, you know, I thought about just asking people to share what are some of the dumbest things people have said to you, you know, I've begun to pray Lord, when somebody's going through the loss of a loved one, pray, Lord, please keep them from people that say dumb things. Um, we've all done that. My favorite ones when somebody dies is when someone says, you know, it'd be a sin for you to be sad because they're in heaven. And I guess I'm a sinner. My all-time favorite, and I feel like every time I speak, I mention my son in prison. I don't know why, but, but my all-time favorite is when he went to prison, somebody said to me, and there was nobody here, so somebody said to me, you know, I just want to offer you some comfort. Because I find it interesting that in the Old Testament, there was a man named Joseph, and he was placed in prison because God was going to use him to save a nation. 
And maybe that's why God has your son in prison. And I was thinking, or he made a bad mistake, and now he's paying the price. I mean, <laughs> one of those two, you know. But and I've done it too, right? We, we've all done that. In fact, this morning, I, I'm not going to share those, but just for the fun of it, I Googled top, you know, top dumb things to say to people when they've lost a loved one. And they're there. And as they're reading the eight, and I thought, oh, I probably shouldn't share that because I think I've done a few of those. <clears throat> you know, we just, we don't want to say, and, but it's, it's partly because we don't want to say. I think it's also because we're afraid of, I think we're afraid of what might happen to God's people when they're going through pain or when they're grieving or when they're facing a huge crisis. We're afraid that they might give up on God. We're afraid that they might ask questions and maybe even question their faith. I told you growing up, I don't know where I learned this, but I was, I was told somewhere that never ask God why, always ask him what. And I guess there's value in that, but as I look in the scriptures, I see people like Habakkuk who didn't mind asking God why. And I think, well, hey, if he can do it, then I can do it. And, you know, and I think that sometimes we're afraid. What happens if somebody loses a child or loses a loved one or some other, some other crisis happens in their life and they start to question? If it's truth, if it's truth and we're going to God with our concerns, then cannot he handle it? I think that's what we see in Habakkuk. So if you haven't found it yet, then it's too late. Uh, <laughs> that means you're just not going to be able to find it. I'm just kidding. But a book of Habakkuk, I'm in a weird mood this morning, so I'm going to try to some dry humor or whatever you call that. Um, I heard a guy say the other day that, that uh, quick, can I say this quick sidebar, you know, that you know there's such a drought when, when their humor is, is getting drier and drier. Just, okay. Tim's listening to this, you know, and this time in the meeting, he's like, oh, man, that's what happens when I give him two weeks in a row. <laughs> so let's summarize the book of Habakkuk, you know, the, the life of what's going on. We talk about internationally, the, the Assyrian Empire has been the great empire, and the Babylonians are all of a sudden sweeping the planet. And they've come along, and they're, they're destroying town after town after town. They show up in Nineveh to take down the Assyrians. The Egyptians don't really like either one of them. But, you know, you know, keep your friends close, your enemies closer kind of thing. And so they're going to join the uh, Syrians to defeat the Babylonians. It doesn't work. And the Babylonians win, as we know, and set up their own empire. But along the way, the Egyptians end up in Judah, and Judah says, you can't come through our country. And King Josiah, who was a great reformer, right, a real true follower of God, and tore down all the prophets of Baal, uh, he was killed in the process. And so that's what's going on internationally. Nationally, his sons were wicked, as wicked as their grandfather and great-grandfather, Ammon and Manasseh, and they bring, about all, bring back all the idol worship, and Habakkuk's looking around like, wow, not only is our world in a horrible situation, but so is our country. And I said last week, and I, I left out a quote, and that's not in my notes this time, of, of, you know, some could say, wow, this kind of sounds like today, doesn't it? I mean, it's a very relevant story for us today as we look internationally and we look at nationally and we say, what is going on? And that's really Habakkuk, you know, as he's praying for the nation, as he's praying for the world, you know, he, um, God's really not answering him. So now he wants to know, well, God, what, what are you doing? Why do I cry out violence? You don't hear me. Why am I coming to you? And you can see that in Habakkuk 1, his first complaint, first of two, and where he's saying, why is all this going on? Why does it seem like so much evil and violence is taking place? And God, why aren't you doing anything about it? And, and we talked last week that maybe you've been there. You said, God, why is this happening? I don't understand. 
And maybe it's gone a step further. You say, God, why is this happening? And I don't agree with what you're doing. And I think that as, I, I think, I mean, if I'm, if I'm wrong, then God will have it wiped out of your memory banks. But as long as we're going to God, we can ask any question we want. Because he's the author of the truth, right? And, and we see Habakkuk saying, God, I don't understand. I'd like you to answer me. And then God's answer kind of blew him away. And God said, well, listen, I'm involved. Don't, don't get me wrong. I know what's going on. I'm exactly, I'm exactly aware. In fact, I'm controlling it. In fact, those Babylonians, you know, that, that, that's, that's me. I'm the one doing that. Don't think they're doing it on their own. And God said, I'm going to tell you this, but it's going to blow your mind. And it did. Now, and we get to chapter 2, you know, Habakkuk's second complaint. I will tell you that some people read this differently than others. Some commentators will say he's now angrier than ever, and now he's going to God with a second complaint saying, okay, now we've got to really talk. Some say that actually he's not that way. He's like, okay, God, you're in control. You're in charge. It's all about you, so I'm just going to wait and listen to what you have to say. I don't know. It makes a better lesson if I say that he's still upset. <laughs> because I think he is. I think if I would be there, I'd be upset too when you say to God, you know, you cry out in chapter 1 and you... <laughs> Someday I'll just get one of those strings. I'm just not ready yet. You know, I'm just, I'm just not there. You know, when you say, how long, O oh Lord, must I call for help or you don't listen or cry out to you, violence you don't save? Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrong? And then God says, um, you know, okay, then you really want an answer. I'm going to tell you the answer. Um... I'm doing this, and I'm sending to people, and you think it's bad now, it's going to get worse. And God describes the Babylonians, and it ends by, you know, I mean, he describes them very vividly. They fly like a vulture, swooping to devour. They come bent on violence. Their hordes advance like the desert wind and gather prisoners like sand. They deride kings and scoff at rulers. They laugh at all the fortified cities. They build earthen ramps and capture them. Then they sweep past like the wind and go on, guilty men whose own strength is their God. And he says, yeah, and I'm allowing all that. I'm, in fact, I'm not allowing it. I've orchestrated it all. And Habakkuk comes back in his second complaint. His second complaint is basically this. He says, um, why, why would you do something like this, God? Why would you use people that are more evil than we are to come in and destroy us? I love... Um, I love his honesty because I think that's what's going on. Because think about it. God's saying, you know those Babylonians, how evil, how horrible they are? They're going to come through and they're going to wipe you clean. Think about realistically what that means. Think about another nation coming in to destroy you. It's not pretty, right? It's not like they come and, you know, and they just, it's peaceful, right? It's not like it's, it's I mean, it's horrible. You're going to be sitting there eating dinner with your family and somebody's going to barge in and they're going to start killing you right on the spot, hopefully, because if not, they're going to drag you off as slaves. We know that happened, right? The Babylonians, you remember? Daniel, Shadrach, Mizak, Menigo, and the ones that had to go to, uh, to Babylon. And, you know, some people are going to be taken out in the street and killed. Some people are going to be, I mean, they're going to take everything you've ever worked for, everything you've ever done. They're just going to trash it, you know, and you're starting to think about, hmm, I wonder how this impacts my family. I wonder what this is going to be like for my parents that are getting up there in years, and, and somebody says, move faster, and if you don't, I'm going to shoot you or spear you or whatever they did back then. You can see how Habakkuk, is he's playing this out and says, hold on a second. No, this doesn't sound like God. Why would you allow such horrible, awful people to come in and do this to Judah? 
I like how the New Living Translation um, records it, so I want to read that in Habakkuk chapter, uh, chapter 1, verses 12, if I may read, uh, starting verse 12. It says, O Lord my God, my Holy One, you who are eternal, surely you do not plan to wipe us out. By the way, he asked eight different questions. So if, is it okay to ask God questions? He's asking eight. O Lord, our rock, you have sent these Babylonians to correct us, to punish us for our many sins. But you are pure, but you are pure and cannot stand the sight of evil. Will you wink at their treachery? Should you be silent while the wicked swallow up people more righteous than they? I love this metaphor he gets to. Are we only fish to be caught and killed? Are we only sea creatures that have no leader? Must we be strung up on their hooks and caught in their nets while they rejoice and celebrate? You get the idea? Then they will worship their nets and burn incense in front of them. These nets are the gods who have made us rich, they will claim. Will you let them get away with this forever? Will they succeed forever in their heartless conquests? Now, some people think that the verse, verse, chapter 2, verse 1 is, is not taken in, in frustration and anger. I think it is. He says, I will climb up to my watchtower and stand in my guard post. There I will wait to see what the Lord says and how he will answer my complaint. I, I love how the New Living Translation puts it there, but he's saying, God, really? I mean, you're going to let these people, we're just, they're just going to gather us up and they're just going to take us away and they're not going to praise you. They're going to praise themselves. They're going to praise their gods. And using this metaphor, they're going to praise their nets and their hooks and their, you know, I'm not an avid fisherman, but all the, what do you call, I'm, I'm really sounding stupid now. What do you call all those? Yes, lures, thank you. I had a mental block there. You know, they're going to praise the God of lures. I mean, come on. I'm going to go stay in my post, and I need an answer. And I love God's response, because God's got numerous responses right now, right? He could zap them. He could be like, now you cross the line, Psst, you're gone. I'd love that power, by the way. I'd love the power of driving and be able to zap cars out of my way. I've just always said, Lord, if you could give me a superpower, could I zap? You know, I mean, just, because nobody would know it was you. Just, it was God. You know, if I'm ever driving in front of you, don't worry, I don't, I'm behind you. I don't have those powers. <clears throat> but God could have zapped him. God could have been angry and say, how dare you talk to the Lord most high like this? In our class, we've been looking at Moses, and we're looking at the fear of God. You know, when God says, don't come near the mountain, don't even let the animals graze near the mountain, or their history. You know, and God could have said, buddy, you got to learn a lesson in fearing me. And he could have been very angry with him, right? He could have. God could have, uh, he could have had something bad happen to them, because we, we believe that in our theology sometimes, don't we? Something bad happens, and we say, God, what have I done? And sometimes that's the first response. I mean, Job's friends were like that. Well, you must have made a mistake. I mean, God doesn't do this unless you make a mistake. And God could have had something bad happen to him, like, oh, yeah, now watch. As soon as you get up, you're going to fall down, and you're going to hyperextend your knee, and you're going to be in a I mean, yeah, that would be a fun one. You're going to get out in a car, and, you, boy, this morning when I was coming up from, from the factory and this car was flying, almost ramming into them. It was enough to make my, you know, heart stop for a second. But, you know, sometimes when those things happen, we think, oh, I, I must, God must be upset at me. God could have done that. He didn't, but he could have, right? He could have done all these things. Um, he could have just ignored them. could have said, now you're speaking like a fool, and I don't, I'm not, you know, I'm done answering your questions because you've taken them too far, and I don't, I don't owe you an explanation. Did he owe him an explanation? No. But yet, he didn't. He answered him. He said, okay, I told you I'm going to blow you away, and now let's talk about the future. Now, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I've done enough study to know exactly what God's talking about here. 
Some believe he's talking about, you know, this is what's going to happen to Babylonians. And I'm going to, when it's all said and done, they're going to get their day. And I'm going to deal with them harshly. Some believe that uh, God is talking about the end times. Because he says, I'm going to, because, you know, because of the one verse where he says, uh, write it down, make it plain, send a herald, may run there for the revelation, awaits an appointed time, it speaks of the end. So some say, oh, he's talking about, you know, and some just say, well, he's, yes, he's talking about all that. He's talking about there's five woes there. He's talking about anybody that does any of these five woes. And so a good application, we've been doing this in our class, and it's a good application is, am I doing any of those five woes? You know, because if I am, I got to stop now. I don't know exactly if it's yes, all, you know, I'm talking about the Babylonians, I'm talking about the end times, I'm talking about anybody who does these. We do know that God is saying, I will make all things right, right? I mean, that's, that's one thing that's clear in this passage. But whatever it is, you know, Habakkuk's response is, uh, I'm going I'm to jump through, um, as soon as I find it, let me, why don't I just look at my notes? Yes, chapter 3, verse 16. So his response is a prayer, all right? And uh, another, another poetic, you know, thing going on here. It's kind, of a, it's kind of a prayer. This kind of particular prayer is a song that's kind of a more of a melancholic type tone to it. And verse 16 is, is towards the end of it. He says this. I heard, ready? I heard and my heart pounded. My lips quivered at the sound. Decay crept in my bones. That's why I say, I'm not really sure I know what's going on here, because whatever it is, I mean, it, you, ever, you ever used the phrase, you know, somebody's shaking in their boots? Well, he's, everything about him shaking. I mean, he's scared to death when he hears of what God's going to do. In fact, God, when God's done, he stops and he says, I also love this verse, he says, the Lord is in his holy temple, let all the earth be silent before him. You see, when God's done making things right, because God is always on the throne, right? God is in control. When he's done making things right, there's, no, there's nothing left to say. There's no words that can be spoken. And all the earth remains silent. And I don't know what Habakkuk, what he's thinking, because I wasn't there, but all I know is, whatever the message was, it scared the life out of him. I mean, he was petrified. Not, not scared like, oh God, don't hurt me, but like, whoa. God means serious business here. And he is going to make it all right. In fact, God even says to him, it's coming at a time. Don't keep looking for it. It's, it, it is going to happen. I, I promise you it's going to happen. And uh, God says, I'll tell you what is going to happen in this chapter 2. And, and there's a verse there. We know, we know the verse. It's a very popular verse. Verse 4. He basically says, but the righteous don't have to worry. The righteous can live, and it says by faith, some, some versions are, the righteous can live by their faithfulness. We know what impact this made on Martin Luther, you know, and, and there's other times in Scripture where I think there's six times where that phrase is used. But, but, but God is saying to Habakkuk here, but if you're just, then you don't have to worry because the righteous will live or be saved by their faith. See, God hasn't forgotten Habakkuk. God knows what he's doing. In fact, he's orchestrating. In fact, he is totally in control of what is taking place, as bad as it looks from your perspective. As horrible as it looks, God's got a plan. Sometimes, you know, I've, I've said, maybe you've said, you know, well, God, you know, 
God isn't asleep. It's not like he's up in heaven saying, oh, no, I didn't realize this was coming. Oh, I was taking a power nap. You know, the problem is, you know, my power naps aren't 20 minutes. They're, you know, a couple hours, and I didn't realize what was going to happen while I was sleeping. It's not as if God is asleep. But ready for this? What if he was? What if in the midst of your crisis, God was taking a nap? Huh? Huh? Gotcha now. Open up to Mark. Open up to Mark chapter 4. I love this. I, I, I hadn't seen this. Mark chapter 4, verse 35. I'm going to read in the NIV. That day when evening came, Mark chapter 4, verse 35, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drowned? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. He didn't say it quite like that. But like, what? I don't know how he did it. Uh, he didn't say it like that, though, I tell you. Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? What do you mean, why are you so afraid? You're sleeping. You're sleeping. I know you can do this, but you're sleeping, and we have to figure it out on our own. What do you mean, why are you so afraid? He says, do you still have no faith? I love that, because now, now that I saw that, next time somebody say, listen, even if God is sleeping, he can still take care of it. That's how God he is. That's how amazing and powerful and in control he is. He can take a power nap. Hear me out. I don't think God naps. But if he wanted to, he can take a power nap and still control the affairs of the world at the same time. When I fall asleep, I'm not in control of anything that's happening. Except my, you know, not even my own snoring. You know? But God could take a nap and wake up and say, I got it all under control. Why don't you trust me? Why don't you have faith in me? I know what I'm doing. And Jesus says, hey, but you still don't have faith? You know, I just, the first time I read that and realized, well, that's kind of an unfair question. You're sleeping. No, if you were awake out there kind of doing your little magic, hocus pocus stuff, yeah, that I'm, I, I got confidence. I'm behind you. But you're sleeping. But that's how powerful God is. And so we get back to Habakkuk, and, you know, he's scared to death of what God says, but then he answers with uh, verse 18. I heard and my heart pounded, my lips quivered at the sound, decay crept in my bones and my legs trembled. Yet, I will wait patiently for the day of calamity to come on the nation invading us. And then he goes to what we, what we ended up with last week. Though the fig tree does not bud, there are no grapes on the vines. Though, no olive crop, though the olive crops fail and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stall, yet I will rejoice. I'll be joyful in God my Savior. So in what ways has it been hard for you to have faith? Another way to say that is what are your if, even those? I mean, we talked about that last week quickly. Even though I mentioned Tanya and Greg, and then, then they sit farther away this time. See how it works? If I do it this time, they well, we might be able to get them out. No, just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Um, but what are your even those? even though my spouse is diagnosed with cancer, even though my spouse dies of cancer. Elvin said last week, he's not here this week, he is. He said, you know, felt like you were talking to me the whole time, Chuck, and I said, I wasn't. You know, I'm just talking to all of us. 
but he just really identified with, with, the, uh, with the talk last week. Even though your business goes under, I don't know. Even though your kids run away, even though they go to prison, right? I mean, what, what are the even those? We all have them. Even though your, your, your spouse is angry at you and hasn't talked to you in days, they've been unfaithful to you, I don't, I don't know. We all have those even those, right? And Habakkuk says, here's what I've learned. I've learned that God knows what he's doing, and he's in charge, and he's in control. And what he says to me is, I have to just have faith. That's what it boils down to. It boils down to trust and obey. Can we sing that? Can we sing that? If we walk with the Lord and the light. up on them, but because of these, sorry, my ADD is really bad today. Because he's a progressive, I look up and all I see, I think Marty's back there, but I don't know, so I can't tell what he's saying. All right, thank you. Sorry, Tim. All right, can I just read, can I read Ephesians chapter one? It, it, it came to me, and I, I wish that I had, I wish I could tell you some really comforting thing to help you in the moments of pain, um, but I don't. Really what I have to you is it really comes down to faith. It comes down to trust. It comes down, do you believe in God or don't you? So that if somebody were to come up to me and say, hey, they just proved that Jesus wasn't the son of God and the whole thing's a hoax, would you say, oh, okay. You know what I'd say? No, you didn't. And whatever you have, it's tainted because it's not true. Now, am I Mr. Perfect with faith and trust? No. I don't know what your even those are, but, but let me listen... Think of your even those, and listen to this in Ephesians chapter 1. I'm going to read a few verses quickly. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. To the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him, in Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. And he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, 
to be put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment, to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. God's got a plan. He knows what he's doing. He has called us out as his sons, and he's never going to let us go. It gets better. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything conforming to the purpose of his will, in order that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Here it is. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Sometime this, this next week, you can uh, take some time and read that passage again a little slower. But here's what it's basically saying. God has called you out. He has chosen you as his children, and nothing can ever change that. And he's promised you that he's going to make it all right someday. And as a down payment, he's given you his Holy Spirit. As a down payment from God Almighty, guaranteeing your inheritance. And it's inheritance, Scripture said, that can never perish, spoil, or fade. So when we go through difficult times, we can say, even though all that happens, I've gone through a lot of pain in my life, a lot of joy as well, and I'm guessing the pain hasn't ended. I'm guessing I got more to head. I'm guessing there's going to be things I'm going to go through in my life that I'm going to say, wow, that other stuff that seems so horrible, this is worse. Even though all those happen, Will I still trust in God? Will you trust in God? It doesn't make today easier. It still hurts, but it comes back to trusting and obeying. In uh, Habakkuk, if you want to turn back to Habakkuk chapter 3, he ends it with this, as soon as I can find it. The very end, verse 19. If you have a pen, you have your Bible, mark it. If you're using your iPhone and you've signed into the U version, then highlight it. All right? The sovereign Lord is my strength. The God that is still on the throne. The God who promises to never leave me alone. The God who promises that nothing is going to take him by surprise. That was my granddaughter right there. The God who promises that. Habakkuk said, is my strength. Life is hard. A song by, I forget her name now, but it says, life is hard. Laura, Laura story. Life is hard, but God is good. I think I played it here one day. Life is hard. There's things that do not make sense, but we know who God is, and we know that it never changes. So Habakkuk ends this whole thing by saying, the God that's in charge, the sovereign Lord, is my strength. So it comes down to three things, three lessons, which we shared last week. When things do not make sense to you, know they make sense to God. He's sovereign. He's in control. That's one thing that will not change this week. Remember this. Fairness is a matter of perspective, and we don't have God's perspective, but we trust him. And then three... So we have two choices. We can get bitter or we can get better. It really depends on whether we're going to live by faith or by sight. One of my favorite verses is 1 Corinthians 10, 13. I'll, I'll end with this. Tim, Pastor Tim, Dr. Tim, that's for him. 
is your pastor, and he's also my pastor. And I mean, I have utmost respect for that when I am down in the dumps, I go to him, and he helps me be objective. And one day I went to him and I said, Tim, I know that God doesn't give you more than you can handle, but I, I think he has. And, he, and, he, and those of you that had comfort from Tim's wisdom, he says to me, well, I think God thinks more highly of you than you do of yourself. I'm like, what do you mean? And he says, well, if it's true that God never gives us more than we can handle, then he must think you can handle more than you do. And, and I just, I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. God must think more highly of me than I think of myself because he's given me what I think is more than he handle, but it's not more than I can handle. So he believes in me more than I do of myself. Here's the thing. All I want to say was we look at the book of Habakkuk. Habakkuk had some questions. He didn't understand. It didn't make sense. He went to God. And God did show him some things, but what he learned from that is not so much what God showed him was, okay, God is sovereign, and that's where I find my strength. You have two choices, gang, as you go through pain. You can get bitter, and you can get mad, and you can raise your fist to God and walk away and follow someone or something else. Or you can say, the sovereign Lord is my strength, and I will get better because I trust in him. Because the righteous live by faith. Let's pray. Thank you, God, so much for Habakkuk, for his honesty, for his willingness to dialogue with you, to kind of be bold. We learn from that, God, that, that when we are asking why, that we need to come to you. You may or may not fill us in on all the details that might blow us, our minds away, but you remind us that you are in charge and that you promise never to leave us alone. In Jesus' name, amen.